Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Tennis Podcast that takes you behind the curtain of the pro game like never before. It's Tennis Channel Inside In. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and we've got another star-studded show for you this week, produced live out of the brand new Tennis Channel Studios in Santa Monica, California. I chat with American Shelby Rogers, who's currently at her career-high ranking of number 43 and playing some of the most consistent tennis of her life. Rogers discusses the tumultuous journey from injuries and rehab to success on the court, including a monumental win over Petra Kvitova in the fourth round of last year's U.S. Open. She also dives into what it was like to play not one but two events in her hometown of Charleston, South Carolina, how she stays locked in and mentally engaged in tough times, and her love of the reigning Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. All that and more with Shelby Rogers on Tennis Channel Inside In, starting right now. All right, now on Tennis Channel Inside In, special guest for this week's show, keeping with the American theme, the American female women's theme. This player has reached her career high, number 43 in the world. Uh, she also hates cranberry sauce and is an expert gingerbread house maker. It's Shelby Rogers back on the Tennis Channel Inside In podcast, all the way from Madrid. Shelby, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me back. Good to know I didn't ruin my shot the last time. Appreciate that. No, and I, and I like to add some uh, some you know fun details. I had to I had to dig deep to find some stuff. Uh, you know, maybe yeah, a you flattering. dug way deep, didn't you? That's hilarious. You're reminding me of facts about myself. Actually, it's funny. No, cranberry sauce is super overrated. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, it's not Thanksgiving season yet, so I don't think we're going to offend too many people. But uh, and I don't actually necessarily disagree with you there, but. Coming off of, uh, you know, the start of this season, Shelby, it's interesting for you because you got to do something that I don't think anybody in tennis really gets to do and play two back-to-back tournaments in your hometown, which two back-to-back in the same event rarely happens. I mean, that is the, the product of a pandemic, but two tournaments in Charleston, results were okay. I know there was the injury, a, a little bit of an abstrain at the end, but what was that experience like getting to stay and have an extended stay and play a lot of tennis in Charleston? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it was a little bit different this year because I couldn't stay at home or anything, you know, so I was at the hotel with all the other players. It was kind of just like any other event. Um, Just being in my hometown, just, you know, having that vibe that I'm there and I'm in Charleston. It was, it was awesome getting a bunch of texts, you know, people are watching my matches, things like that. So it was super cool to have that support always. But I will say I'm a fan of the back-to-back events in the same location. We did it in New York last year. I think uh, more cities should take note. (laughs) Hint, hint. Um, It makes it easier on the players. You know, we don't have to travel, and it's, you know, we get all our testing done, and it's just a seamless transition. But um, obviously, Charleston's an incredible place, and Bob Moran, Eleanor Adams, they did an incredible job. I think all the players were really excited to to stay there, but especially me. And then I got to see my family for a couple days after, which was an extra bonus. That's so cool to uh, have the family there and get to see them. Um, Some players though might think that there's more pressure with playing in front of everybody, playing at home, friends that are coming out of the woodwork. This is their one chance to see you throughout the year. 
Mm-hmm. Did you feel that pressure at all? Um, 10 years ago. Yes. I've played that tournament so many times now it's a little better now and there weren't fans this year anyway. So it was, uh, just the players watching each other (laughs) as usual, just another week on tour, you know, but I think I've adjusted well playing there in Charleston, but yeah, the first couple of times I played, it was a a disaster and had some pretty (laughs) embarrassing moments there on court. Um, but you know, all good experiences and we learned from them. So that's all we can ask. Well, I think you might be selling it short because wasn't the first time you played, you were like 17 and you, you lost a three set match. Like that's not, you're a senior in high school. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like shaking, you know, I can barely hold my racket. And be that as it may, I understand you there. Um, looking at it first though, I mean, off the top, how are you feeling after, you know, the way it went down in the, in the Kovinich match, it was a grueling match. You played great tennis, but you know, you admitted you had some health issues and just a slight abstain. So first and foremost, how are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, much better. It took a few days off to recover. I mean, I've played a lot of tennis this year already, which is a good problem to have, I guess we should say. But, I mean, Kovinich had an incredible run there in Charleston. She was feeling that court. I mean, she she was playing so well, serving well, moving probably better than, I mean, 90% of the players that were in the event. So uh, it was really nice to see her back, actually, because she was, you know, had some trouble with injuries of her own. So, you know, I didn't really want to take anything away from her because she had a couple great weeks, but it was frustrating to not have my serve in the last match. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I was able to take a few days off, recover, and uh, get back to working on the serve a little bit and hopefully um, can have a good week or two here in Madrid. I hope that that's the case as well. And looking at you playing not only in those events, but growing up on that surface, the hard true, we've talked about this a bit. It's not the same as the red clay, but it's about the closest thing that we have here in the States. How do you think that helps you going into this run, a traditional clay court run now that isn't kind of thrown together like the end of last year? Yeah, it's been cool to kind of see the different results that my game has produced. I mean, growing up on the clay, I guess I'm pretty comfortable with the movement and, you know, just the creativity within the points is um, it just adds a different element to the game, which I think is a little bit more exciting. You see some different people start winning and a couple more upsets here and there. But then you come on the red clay, too, and that's a whole different game as well. So it's just a fun part of the year. Um, not fun for the laundry, the socks get a little ruined, but (laughs) other than that, I, I do, I really enjoy it. And I'm thankful that, you know, my coaches kind of developed my, my game for the clay, but I've also, you know, won tournaments indoor hard and, and, you know, pretty much every surface, but I mean, quarterfinals of the French open was kind of my big breakthrough. So hopefully, uh, the clay courts show me some good results this year too. I was really impressed with the number of players that played Charleston this year. Everybody wanted to, you know, get action and you had a lot of the top, you know, European Australian players that came out to play in that field, which had to be great for the hometown and, and everything there. Uh, the last thing on this tournament, you uh, had one one great result in my opinion. That was the Annie Samova comeback match. Now, in tennis, it's a little different beast and you're down a double break in that second set of set and a double break. Mentally, how are you checking in and, and staying engaged in that match? Because I know there's a lot of players, and, and I understand why, would think, okay, this is this is probably not going to happen. They're still trying, but they're not going to you know, be able to mentally believe they can win. How did you stay locked in in that match? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I was um, getting beat pretty badly. I mean, there's no getting around that. You can't sugarcoat <laughs> that, right? She was playing super well. I was allowing her to play well on top of it. You know, it was just mm-hmm. kind of all going her way for a minute there or for a long minute. And, 
you know, honestly, I just kind of told myself, look, it can't get much worse. Like, let's try to leave the court feeling good about one thing. Cause at that moment I did not feel good about one thing. <laughs> um, I was watching a lot of balls go by me. So, you know, it was trying to simplify things, make some balls and cliche one point at a time, you know, but honestly, yeah, it couldn't get much worse. So, and then she took an injury timeout and I was like, hang on a second. Okay. Maybe, maybe there is a chance, yeah. you know, like the dumb and dumber quote. <laughs> so you're saying there is a chance, but no, it was a crazy match. I think we had a little bit of everything, you know, both of us just trying to build character out there. I don't know. <laughs> well, that, you know, it's funny, but it's true. It's that you have to kind of believe in yourself and you have to understand that there's going to be days when you're just not going to win where the player is playing too good. But opening the door, I think, is the way I would put it, where gain some confidence, start playing better. And then if they kind of push it open themselves on the other side with an injury or their play comes back to earth, then it's possible. But uh, it starts with, like you said, just finding one thing to get better at and build on something one point at a time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not over until the last point is one, you know, and that's the really cool thing about tennis. You can come down every week. You see someone coming back from match point down. You saw Rafa do it. You see, you know, every week somebody come back from, you know, being down. So it's um, there you go. There's a lesson yeah. here. Never give up, guys. <laughs> Somewhere in there. Uh, Shelby, <laughs> Shelby, the last time we talked, you were literally driving down to Charleston for that exhibition. You were getting ready to play in front of your hometown in a different setting. And you're also on the comeback trail, ranked outside the top 100, coming off of some injuries and just trying to put it together. How were you in that moment? I know you you were positive with everything. How were you able to still believe that I can get back to, to the top 50, to competing in these tournaments? How was that self-belief still there at a time when your game and your health wasn't up to form? Yeah, that was that was a very loud conversation with the Yeah, there was the a lot of background, background noise. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for putting up with that. No. I mean, I think in that conversation, I was just grateful. I was super excited to be on tour playing because for a while there, I didn't think I was going to be able to. So I think that perspective um, has been a challenge to try and keep. And I think it's one of the most important things that I've tried to focus on is like, you know, enjoy this process, enjoy this moment, because there's always going to be goals you want to achieve. You're always going to want to do better, 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 but enjoy it while it's happening. You know, like yeah. appreciate all that you've accomplished up until this point too. I've heard some of your, I've, I've read some of your quotes where you've also mentioned that fitness and nutrition is key for every athlete. And uh, especially during the pandemic, when it was at a premium, getting the chance to work out, to hit the tennis courts at times were taken away. <laughs> How did that mindset come to be for you how did you reinforce that look if this is going to happen one way or another to give myself the opportunity that you needed to make those adjustments yeah I mean being in shape is huge after my knee surgery I was out of shape and I can tell you getting back in shape is one of the hardest things ever so I think during the lockdown that was almost my motivation that I didn't want to be out of shape again because it's so difficult and tennis training is just so so hard I mean no matter what you do in the gym coming back on court is is a different beast so I think trying to prepare for matches and just have that mentality of like you know keeping my goals in mind but also like my body's got to be healthy and fit in order to achieve these things. So I think that was just at the forefront of my mind. And thankfully it's paid off because it was not easy, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to keep it going. I'm not, you know, one of these young 18 year olds anymore either. So it's definitely learning how to listen to my body and adjust the training regiments and, you know, the diet and 
the warm ups a little bit longer now, you know, just things like that. So just listening to my, my body. That last part is so true in, in all sports. And the only way to learn that is through time. Cause when you're 18, 19, 20, you're ignorant. You don't know how good you have it and how you can just recover fast from things. It's like being able to eat a bunch of junk food and not, not have anything happen. Yeah. I used to make fun of the girls that were in the gym, you know, after practice for 30 minutes, like cooling down, I'm like, what are, what are they doing? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm just, you know, going out for more cardio or for another run or whatever. I, I get it now, guys. I get it. <laughs> Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Shelby Rogers on Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, from that moment in Charleston, it, it was an exhibition. You, you take it to the summer, and the first big tournament, the fir- first big result you had was that top seed open, the inaugural one in Louisville, where you start off being a, a top up-and-comer, Layla Fernandez, and then it's a match against Serena, which first time you played, you got the win. Did that moment, did that run in the tournament all the way to the semifinals, did that feel like a breakthrough for you, or... Maybe a better word to put it would be like a reemergence into the scene of what you can you can do out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think regardless of who I played that week, just getting wins right off the bat and coming out of lockdown with a couple victories was huge for, you know, my confidence, just being like, okay, yes, I did enough, you know, during the time off to be able to play at this level still. Um, So I think just mentally all around, it was a good start for me. I think it would have been really tough had I gone, you know, L, you know, a couple tough losses right off the bat. So I'm definitely thankful for, for that week for sure. And for those guys, you know, braving it and putting on the first event during a pandemic, they did an amazing job, but we were also fortunate to, to be able to have that opportunity. And I think, you know, being able to take advantage of it when nobody really knew what their level was, everybody was kind of on an even playing field there. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I think it was a, a great start and luckily kept the momentum going a little bit. I know tennis players can be a little superstitious, maybe weird about the draw and looking at who's in front of them. What was the first thought process when you saw you're going to be playing Serena? I mean, at the beginning of the tournament, you know, you see that she's in a 250 event and it's definitely something you don't see a lot. You know what I mean? So you're already kind of thinking about it. I saw she was in my half of the draw and I'm like, man, that would be incredible. Like I've always wanted to play her because what's the first question people ask you when you say you're a tennis player? Oh, have you played Serena or Venus? Well now, yes, I have. So that's, you know, there's something to say for that. But I think um, it was probably, like I said, a a little bit different because the, nobody knew how they were going to be playing. The, The playing field was a little bit even. There were no fans. It was just, you know, players on a tennis court. It was like, it was kind of weird for all the players that week getting adjusted to the new format and the bubble life and all this stuff. So, I mean, I've looked up to her my whole life, so it was super cool to play her. And now, yeah, it's awesome to say that I did have the win. I mean, I don't, I don't think she played her best tennis by any means, but hey, you know what? I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you had the rain delay in there, too. I remember that that threw a wrench into the day's plans, too. Yeah. Um, but no, one of the <laughs> I've com- had some dramatic <laughs> matches over the last, you know, year, year and a half. Yeah. You have, but one of the common themes in there is fighting and, and, you know, overcoming break deficits, super long tie breaks where it could have gone either way. And I am just curious whether it's the Serena match or just a big match in general, 
what the rituals are like. What are the, do the pregame routines? I know you're a diehard hockey fan as well, but do the, do the pregame routines, do they change a little bit or are they consistent throughout? Oh man. Yeah. I don't have anything super weird like those <laughs> hockey players there. I love seeing those videos. Those guys get some weird stuff going, but um, I mean, I always do the same kind of warm up. I, I journal the morning before my match, you know, try to get some thoughts down, always go over the game plan with my coach, just little things like that. But I'm not really superstitious about too much. Um, just try to keep the, the positive energy up going on the court and um, have a good idea of what I'm trying to do when I go out there. For sure. It, it totally makes sense. And uh, before we get to the, the run that happens. Make sure the hair's right. <laughs> make you know, sure you got to right. make sure the yeah. bun is, is <laughs> secure. Oh, water water in the mirror beforehand, slick it back. Yeah, you're, you're a hockey player at heart, I can tell. Uh, the the uh, Before we get to the U.S. Open run, just, just a little bit about your game during all this. You've been open about being more aggressive and being more confident on the re- on the serve and on the return. And, and I looked it up. You're a top 10, I think, eighth, eighth in aces this year on the WTA Tour. So I'm just curious if that was more strategic, if that was something on the practice courts that you were you know, making it known that you have to work on, or if that's just with tennis and with sports in general, just gaining confidence has allowed you to play more freely and better. Um, I think a little bit of both. Uh, with the time off, you know, I had a good chunk of time to not change things, but just work on things in a little more volume when we were able to get on a tennis court. But I think um, focusing on how I start the point was definitely important, um, especially with the serve, because it's the one thing you can control on the tennis court. It's the one stroke you have complete control of. So I think getting that down was important for me. And, you know, I communicated that with my coach as well. So Hopefully I can keep that up. Thanks for those stats. I'm going to go write that down. No. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, how you start the point, you can you can impose yourself so much right away. So I think it's um, a big part of my game that I would like to continue to develop as well. Yeah, on the return front, it's interesting because it seems so simple, but there's a, a confidence factor in this that if you get a good look at a second serve, you might as well just take your cut and put the pressure on, especially when you've had some return success like yourself. I thought that's been interesting too. And then there's a direct correlation with confidence and results. I mean, I think we see it. Yeah, sure. And I think if, you know, if you're serving well too, or having a bunch of easy holds or confident holds, then that um, alleviates a little bit of pressure on your return game. So you can swing a bit more freely, like you were talking about. So you can just go for take a little more risk, go for a little bit more. Um, if you're confident that you can hold your serve after, <laughs> if it doesn't go well in the return, <laughs> yeah. you know? So from the top seat open and some tennis in the summer, then it was on to New York City. Now, first off, how long were you in New York City in that bubble? Because I know they played Cincinnati there, and I, I just you had a deep run at the U.S. Open. So, how many weeks was it for you there? I think I got maybe twenty-eight nights on my Marriott account now <laughs> from the Long Island Marriott. Thank you. Um, keep that Marriott status. Yeah, we were there an exceptionally long time. Enough enough time for me to order a microwave from Amazon. <laughs> That's like yeah. a residency. You're almost like doing a yes. you're like doing a Vegas residency. It's it like my Janet new Jackson. <laughs> well, it started with uh, you know the, a Masters event, which I think a lot of people that are casual tennis fans don't understand how tough those fields are. And at your ranking at the time, you had to play qualifying, and you lost to Teichman again, who's been playing great tennis herself. But that was the second round of qualifying. So from there, it was losing qualifying but still knowing that you're going to have the u.s open were you feeling like it was a bit of a letdown that you weren't able to play into the in the western and southern open in new york or was it just on to the next one we're in the u.s open let's take it positive one match at a time 
Yeah, honestly, I was super positive. I beat Gasparian first round of qualies, who is no, I mean, she's an incredible player. And when she's serving well, is very tough to beat. And then I played Teichman again, who I lost to in the semifinals just the week before. But all the headlines say, you know, Rogers makes semis and then crashes out in qualies (laughs) when I'm playing the same, you know, the same ranked girl. Um, So the media gets a little bit dramatic sometimes, but I was feeling great about my game. I mean, I thought I had some chances, you know, in in that match as well. And then, you know, from there, it was just trying to keep or trying to stay focused and get some good practice in before the Open. Because, I mean, there's a huge Grand Slam coming up, you know, in your home country. You better you better be ready. I almost think that would help you. Not necessarily, like, no one wants to lose early in a tournament, but not having to go anywhere. You can just go back to the hotel, no travel. All right, we got work to do. Tomorrow it starts a new a new journey, a new tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I'm a huge <laughs> uh, supporter of the, the tournaments in the same location multiple weeks. But it was nice, too, because, you know, I played some doubles with Jessica Pagula there as well both weeks. So I was able to still be competitive, get some practice in, and then move into the U.S. Open and um, keep my form up in a way. But, yeah, you're familiar with the site. You're familiar with everything. You get into this routine it gets a little bit redundant. I'm not going to lie, yeah. but I mean, they, you know, they had some activities for us, a little mini golf <laughs> and some games around the little arcade. So it was fun, but it was, it was a long trip. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You did play doubles with Pagulia. You were, you were buying low on that stock before the skyrocket happened and <laughs> happened this year. I mean, that was, it's been crazy though, to see all of you. And just a little side note, your generation of female players, American players, have just kind of ballooned. And a lot of it's been later, what would be traditionally later in their careers, mid-20s, late-20s. What do you think, if you had to put a reason on it, why that is, that all of you, like a lot of you players that came up together are are all starting to have success? I guess that's a million-dollar question. I wish, I wish I knew, but I'm just happy to be a part of it. I'll say that. You know, it's been fun with Jenny and Jess and all of the American girls doing so well right now. I'm just glad I'm not outside of it, watching them all do it without me. (laughs) Top 50, you're right there. Uh, But I think, you know, we just encourage each other and see each other doing well, and it just becomes more realistic, more feasible, um, you know, that these these top players are beatable. And I think uh, that belief is one of the things that's huge for for all of us, but um, hopefully we can, can keep going. We got, we got many more things to accomplish. Come on. Many more things and many more years. Um, everybody's looking at this U.S. Open run that you made the quarterfinal to. And the Kvitova match, which I want to get to in a second, but you beat a very good player, Rybakine, in the second round. And I think that's the match that the tennis fans and the people that study the bracket were looking at and saying, whoa, this is, this is a result. Now, in the moment, you understand how good and how talented this player is. What, what was it that you had to work on to beat a player like her who's – up and coming for sure in the tennis ranks. Yeah, absolutely. And another player that can, you know, serve you off the court if she wants to just hit winners from anywhere on the court, a lot of power and a lot of confidence, a lot of big matches that she's won already in her short career so far. I mean, she made a bunch of finals last year or, you know, before lockdown um, and she had a pretty good run going. So definitely not the easiest draw for me there in New York, but was nice to get out of that one in, in straight sets, hindsight, because the Kvitova match was uh, looming in the future, and that was going to take a lot out of me. That it did. Uh, I, I don't use the term war in sports a lot, but that was a war. And, you know, the third set tiebreaker that you win, just looking at that match on the surface, Petra's still playing great tennis, has won a ton of titles, has won Wimbledon twice, but 
You played before once and you'd beat her. Now, different circumstances for sure, but did you get confidence in that, that Petra's a great player, but I have beaten her before? No, that had nothing to do with it <laughs> because okay. she could step on the court and win whenever she wants to. Uh, you know, she I think she hit 50-something winners that match. I literally felt like I was under fire, speaking of war. Um, but I came off the court and I, I just didn't understand how I won the match because I felt like she was just dominating every single point, you know. But she's an incredible fighter, incredible player, and such an inspiration. And I feel like we always have such tough battles, you know. So... I mean, you know what to expect when you go out on the court with her, and she's going to hit the ball very hard and hit a lot of winners. So That lefty serve, I don't think we've seen, with her height especially, anything like that in, in women's tennis, where especially from the ad court, it's like, what, do, what, what are we doing here? But Yeah, it's really tough. And the courts in New York um, were lightning. They were so quick. And so playing her there was it, definitely a large challenge. Um the legs were a little sore after that match, trying to absorb her pace for sure. I can imagine, uh, but you did pull it off. You win. You save four match points, and Shelby, you have this reputation of being, you know, the nicest girl on tour and all these things, and the friendly one. But in that match, I think you did open a lot of eyeballs and, and show people, look, there's there's a fighter here, because that was maybe not the the put it this way, the highest quality match because you both were just taking so much out of each other. But by the end, it was just emotion it was just who wants it more and it was ability to just find a way to win and that's what I think opened up a lot of eyes to people is that this this really nice sweetheart type of girl can also fight out there and really be scrappy when she needs to that's right I can you know <laughs> I can have a different identity when I step on the court right I can be this fighter and bring out a great product and entertain people and fight to the finish because it's ultimately the sport I love um but I also respect everyone that I play and I think off court they deserve that respect and I see these girls every week. So if I don't get along with them and have a bunch of fun, I'm going to be miserable all year, you know? So that's just how I, I look at my job and my career and I, I try to enjoy it as much as I can. I had one other thing on that. I, I wanted to ask before I forget, what's it like at six, six in the, in the third set tiebreaker when you have that little changeover and you know, you either just saved a match point or blown a match point And basically it's a race to two points in a row, essentially to win the match. What's that? What's the mental gymnastics, the mental mindset there? So it was actually the point before uh, I missed a backhand down the line. I don't know if they showed it on TV, but I actually threw my racket after because then now she was going to be serving for the match um, at 6-5. Yeah. And I was like, you just you just blew it. You overcooked it down the line. Like, I'm really happy you went for that shot, but you missed it and now it's over, you know, because she's serving 6-5 for the match. And then all of a sudden – the wind, the wind picks up a little bit. I think she threw in a double fault there and I'm switching sides. Like, okay, again, okay. So you're saying there's a chance now, you know, like let's keep fighting here. Um, so I think there was a little bit of energy boost there for a moment. You know, you, you feel like you took your shot, missed it, you know, missed opportunity, great tournament. And then all of a sudden you're back in it trying to fight, fight for the win and get to the quarterfinals. So it was a lot of emotions that match a huge roller coaster up and down for both of us, I think. But I mean, that's part of the fun too. And that's why we play and that's the battle. And that's what, what all of us athletes love. That was a great reaction when you won the match too, showing the emotion. Of course, we wish the fans were there. It was, you know, your power box. <laughs> it echoed a little bit in that empty stadium, <laughs> for sure. It yeah. did echo. Uh, and not to get too serious here, but we talked about your run at the French Open the last time you were on, making the quarterfinal of a slam. And now you do the same thing at the U.S. Open. You get that 
big results you were looking for. In 2018, with the injury, you were ranked 780 and now back to the top 50, beating a Grand Slam champion in a major. Did you wonder if these moments were ever going to happen again when you when you thought about it, the training process, the rehab, the, all the practice, the practice courts that you had to play on? Did you ever wonder if these moments would happen? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know if I was going to play. I didn't know if I'd be able to be at this level again. I, I mean, you always that doubt kind of always creeps in, but I was just thankful to have the right people around me encouraging me and pushing me to always be my best and that I could get back to where I was before and even further. So I'm very thankful for that. And I'm excited that I've done that so far, but I'm also excited to see how much farther I can go. Shelby Rogers on Tennis Channel Inside Out. That, that's great advice, too, to just stay positive and, and appreciate what you have. And, you know, when you're a younger player, you don't understand how tough and how difficult it is as when you get older. And not to not to date you or speak of age a little bit, but you've ranked, you've gotten to your career high in ranking a lot later than I think most players that normally reach that mark. Do you think this is more of a byproduct of tennis that, you know, players are aging a little better? Do you think it's specific to you and the injury history that you've had? Why do you think you're a late bloomer, so to speak? Yeah, I think that injuries definitely had a play in it. I also think just, you know, my body developing it the right way, um, learning how to manage my game a little bit better, uh, becoming a little more mature, understanding, you know, how to manage travel, all these different things just takes maybe a little bit longer for some players. Also just, you know, believing that you belong. I mean, there's so many different factors that play into it, but I definitely... I mean, would I like to have those that year, year and a half off, you know, that I missed? Yeah, of course. But did I, did I learn things that I, you know, wouldn't have without it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super grateful for it. I think, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? So I've just yeah. got to use what I've been dealt and, and make the most of it. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do now. You learned some things like how hard it is to be on the other side of it, <laughs> broadcasting matches because it's a tiring job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was more nervous commentating than I was playing a tennis match. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and you mentioned your goals and, and how excited you were for what you've accomplished, but still having more to accomplish, more things to check off your checklist. I'm just curious, what are some of those things in the short term and in the long term that you're looking to achieve? I mean, number one is always stay healthy so I can keep playing. Um, win the WTA title, that's something that I haven't done yet. That's at the very top of my list. You know, and just keep moving the ranking up and keep evolving my game and, you know, beating the best players in the world. I think there's, like I said, there's always more that you can do. Even the best players in the world have goals, you know, and want to get better. So I think just keeping a good perspective, staying healthy, and then, yeah, winning all the matches. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good goal. I don't know if it's realistic, but maybe. <laughs> maybe. We'll have to talk to Roger and see if that was his goal back in the mid-2000s there. Uh, no, it's it's... It's the right attitude to have. It's something to go forward. And I just want to know, what can we do? What can I do so that you avoid Ash Barty in these draws? Well, nothing at the moment because I play our first <laughs> yeah. round in Madrid. So maybe next week uh, we can we can try again. Like but, a seance you know, or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, loving the challenge. You know, like I say, every time I play her, it, that's what we play for, to play the best in the world. And if you got to beat the best, to be the best. So it's um, going to be another great challenge and another opportunity to really see what my game can do. So if you, if you can't get excited about playing Ash, I don't know what you will get excited for. And you give her tough matches too. I mean, she's on another tear and she's, you know, everybody talks about you being nice. She's super nice as well. It's, it's, it's ridiculous how, uh, how humble she seems to maintain after all her success, but your matches have been tough with her twice in Australia in her home country, 
Both were pretty exciting. And even in Charleston, it was a good competitive match. So your, your game is not far off of somebody who, I guess that's another positive sign, is the best or the second best in the world right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's one of my favorite people on tour. Love, love her and how down to earth she is and just an incredible human being all around as well as talented at pretty much everything she she touches. So, um, I mean, I'm excited for another battle. I know it's not going to be easy and she's been such an incredible ambassador for our sport and is a great number one for us. So couldn't be more proud of her for that. But at the same time, uh, yeah, ready for <laughs> ready for another great match and She's definitely not going to give you any easy points. So, yeah, I'll prepare again and, you know, just try to bring my my best out there. I'll get the Ouija board out next time, and we'll try to figure <laughs> out a way to just, just mix up mix up you having to play her. Um, a couple more things before we wrap this up with Shelby Rogers on Tennis Channel Inside In. All right, we'll talk about it. The Tampa Bay Lightning, your, your Tampa Bay Lightning were uh, Stanley Cup champs last year. So congrats on that. And Thank I you. Just Let's know, go. I just want to know what the experience was like because you have a lot of travel. You were playing tennis in, in different parts of the world, so not able to maybe see all these games and moments live. But what was the run like watching them, with the exception of the five-overtime game, because we don't have to mention that. But just winning the Stanley Cup, what was that like? Oh, we can, we can mention that all you want. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I literally turned on the game, went to practice, came back, and it was still on. Um, but... <laughs> It was really cool, actually, because the playoffs were going on while we were in New York, and they had this really cool outdoor area with a big screen and projector. So a lot of the games were being played. You know, the the tennis players were enjoying it, watching some different sports out there. Um, but I would post every time they'd win a game, and the, <laughs> everybody was getting so annoyed because every time they would win, I would post something on my Instagram, and everybody, I'd get so many rolling eye emojis. And uh, but it was really cool to watch them watch them win. Uh, and go all the way just you know after the big letdown from a great season before and then you saw Stamkos come back after his injury and score a goal that was and, the like, moment right like yeah his, I mean if you didn't have scored, a tear during yeah. that you're not a fan <laughs> uh it was just yeah for, to have him like actually play a role in winning the Stanley Cup too is cool um but everything was just picture perfect about that win hopefully they can repeat this year it'll be a fun fun one to watch as well well, there's nothing better than that celebration on the ice after they've won and uh, the handshake line and then seeing each player, especially the ones that haven't won before, lift the cup for the first time. It just gives you chills watching it. Uh, but I, I do think that this year they, they have a chance. They're in the mix again with the new format with the divisions. You also mentioned that your coach is a Panthers fan. We've got other fans of players on tour, uh, other players on tour that are fans of different teams. I know Isner's a big Hurricanes fan. Sebastian. Oh, Porter yes, he is. And I don't yeah. hear the end of it, <laughs> especially now they've already clinched. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, you got your coach in one corner, Isner in the other. These are division matchups. So it, it I know the brutal. trash talk's got to be getting pretty good, especially in Team <laughs> Rogers. Yeah. Isner was throwing me a little trash talk in Miami. I think the Canes are about to play the Bolts or something. I just, he's like, we're coming for you. And now they're first in the division. I, oh, I can't stand it, but you know what? Playoffs are what matters. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And you got Kucherov coming back. So I think you'll be fine there. Um, oh, fingers crossed. I hope so. Great stuff here with Shelby Rogers. A couple more things before we uh, let you go here. Props to you for uh, on your up and coming. I think you're getting close to that psychology degree, if I have this right. Look at you keeping <laughs> tabs on me. I am taking my final exam this week, you guys. And then we have a degree. It's very exciting. Indiana. So you're going to rock the red and white on the, on the court now? Is that going to be your unofficial <laughs> team school for a I'm just going to be playing player? in my cap and gown. Let's not... <laughs> 
kid around. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, hey, I don't think there's a rule against that we can check. I don't think, I think that's a loophole in uh, what you can get away I with. I think the tassel might get in the way. Might, maybe, maybe. We'll have to check the specs on that <laughs> one. You know, and, and unfortunately with the Ash Barty match coming up, I bring that up because your consistency this year, something that you've been been striving to get better, has been pretty good. You don't have any first round losses. And I remember earlier in the conversation, you said that, you know, just not coming out with an L is great for your confidence and great for you to get reps. So how do you work on, you know, your consistency and the ability to start out of the gate strong and not have that let down in the first match? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's a thing that a lot of the top players do really well. You know, week to week, you see a lot of the same names in the later rounds. And um, it's something that I've had to learn and I'm still learning how to do. So it's just being committed to the way you want to play and what you want to do on the court, you know, day in and day out in practice, in matches. And going back to that identity, being true to yourself and being confident and believing in yourself. And you can't let that waver, you know, from week to week because it's a very long season. Um, So having a bunch of good weeks and stringing them together is important. There is the element of luck in that, too. Obviously, the the bad luck version of it is having to play Ash Barty in the first round. But getting a draw that you feel comfortable with can help. But I also think, look, you're on the cusp of getting to that seed range. Like you get to the top 32 33, 34 with injuries, whatnot, you get seated in a major, that's huge. Then you don't have to worry about the Serena or the Osaka or the Vardy in the first round. So is that weighing on you now that you've gotten to 43 and you're within striking distance of a seed? I don't know that it's weighing on me, but it's a cool opportunity, you know, that it is within reach. Um, I think it's a, an awesome goal to have. Um, and then, you know, the further you go up, you get some buys, you know, in certain tournaments and just – can create some really cool opportunities for yourself. So it's definitely um, things that give me more motivation and just added bonuses from, you know, winning more tennis matches, but definitely uh, rewards along the way. I know you're probably not thinking about this right now, but but some of us, I'm thinking about this too. You're, you're in the mix now for Tokyo in a couple months. Like you're firmly in there. So is it happening? Do we know? That, I you mean, don't know. Yeah. But you, but, <laughs> it's definitely... Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something cool to think about. A lot of tough competition for sure. You know, we're going to have an amazing American team regardless of who goes. So that's cool. And I think uh, anybody that does go has, you know, an opportunity to get a medal there. So that's a really cool thing. Um, team USA all the way. We just want to see our, our Americans do well, right? Yeah, the, the depth of the women's game can be a gift and a curse here, but it just shows you that you're in the mix. You're, you're top 50 in the world, but it's going to be a battle to get there. But just getting to this point from a year ago, is truly remarkable well i'm i'm glad to be able to talk to you shelby this was fun looking forward to a traditional clay court season which i think can be great for you starting on some of the goals that you have does it start with good results on the red clay and then into the abbreviated grass season what's your immediate goals i should say of what you're trying to accomplish and then how you hope to finish 2021 Right away is just trying to play some good tennis you know i mean it's vague but that's what we're all trying to do out here is just you know the things we work on in practice, trying to translate those into the match and come off the court feeling good about what you tried to do and were able to execute out there. Um, moving forward, grass will be interesting because none of us have played on grass in a couple of years. So I think we're all excited to go to London. It'll be a lot different this year. We're all staying, I think, downtown and just a lot of changes, but so excited to be back at Wimbledon, just the history there. I mean, it's a different vibe when you get on site at Wimbledon. So really excited to go back see what the grass is doing. I mean, I think it's going to be a different sport almost going out there. But, yeah, it's a very exciting two months coming up, and I'm excited about it. 
I would not sleep, and I'm talking to all the listeners out here. Your game on grass could come together. Like there, there's there's some real positive trends there and attributes. And I think Tracy Austin said, when it comes together for players, it just happens fast because you only have a couple weeks a year to really play on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think 2017, I had a decent run at Wimbledon, close match against Kerber. I was, you know, starting to understand how to play on the grass. So hopefully, we can channel a little bit of that and bring it out this year. Perfect. Well, Shelby Rogers, this was a blast. Thank you for coming on the show, talking some tennis. Best of luck with everything. And uh, just so everybody out there is clear, Shelby Rogers, one of the nice people in tennis. And uh, wish you. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having to, me again. Appreciate it. Except for when she's, you know, posting a lot about Tampa Bay. Then, then of course, you know, nobody's perfect, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. But no, congrats on everything. Uh, your success has been fun to watch, and uh, I agree. It's uh, it's only getting started. So thanks for coming on Tennis Channel Inside In. Appreciate it. Thank you. Go Bolts. Thank you again to Shelby Rogers for taking the time to speak with me all the way from Spain, where she unfortunately lost her first round match in the Mutual Madrid Open. If there's one thing we know about Shelby Rogers, though, it's that she's already working on the next match with a positive attitude and a smile on her face. That's it for this week's episode of Tennis Channel Inside In. And remember, you can find this and every episode of the show on the Tennis Podcast Network at tennis.com slash podcasts. Past episodes include an interview with WTA pro Warren Davis and discussions with former greats and current analysts Tracy Austin and Jimmy Arias. We're on all your podcast platforms, providing you with the best access to the game you love. We'll be back next week to discuss all the action in Madrid as the road to Roland Garros rolls along. I'm Mitch Michaels, and thank you for listening to Tennis Channel Inside In. See you next week.